0: You're not already seated. Well, good, good day today. Thank you all for being here, all of our guests. We're so delighted that you're here, and I trust everybody's been nice and friendly to you. Uh, you know, we've been in this series uh, called The Best Year Ever, and we're going to continue on with that today, but I got to tell you that. I am really, 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 you get the point? Excited about next Sunday. You know why? Because next Sunday, we have the best news ever. Now... Those of you who have been with us for a little while, I think you know where I might be headed with this, right? Next week, next week, we're going to be making an announcement that is going to impact the future of the hills for years to come. Next week. Now, I want to tell you this week, okay? But our board has asked if I would just hold off because we got some I's to be dotted, some T's to be crossed, some attorneys to make some signatures. Y'all know what I'm saying? Do you know where I'm going without me going there? I'm excited about next week, too. I'm going to be able to tell you why we've asked you to be patient. And you've been great. You've prayed, but you haven't asked a lot of questions. And we haven't been able to tell you any information. Well, next week, I'm going to be able to tell you a lot of information. So I want you to make sure you're here next week. All right? See what I did there? We're marketing the marketing. You see it? We're announcing the announcement. We're promoting the promotion. All right? I want be here next week and this would be a great opportunity you invite a friend hey we got a big announcement coming next week the preaching ain't good but the announcement's going to be awesome so make sure you're here okay so everybody say "Next next week best news ever let's go how many already fired up how many think you know no kristen's not pregnant i will tell you that that is not and neither am i so that's a great thing All right, let's dive in today. Uh, This series that we've been in for uh, seven weeks now called The Best Year Ever. Best Year Ever. And we've been uh, reading from Luke chapter 4 and verse number 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. One translation says to proclaim the year of God's favor. Look at your favorite neighbor and do what we've been doing for seven weeks. Look right at them and just say, best year ever. (laughs) Best year ever. All right. And then he closed the book, verse 20, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue We're fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, everybody say today, 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 this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Say today again. How many would agree that we focus a lot on everything but today? We focus on tomorrow and yesterday, but Jesus says today what he's saying is this is the time you're standing here right now this is the time you've been praying for and waiting for this is the time where fulfillment happens this is the time this is the season this is the season of suddenly so we talked about last week that you pray you pray you believe you long for it and then all of a sudden there's a day where suddenly it happens I believe, as your pastor, that we're coming into that season as a church. That things we've wanted and prayed for and longed for, matter of fact, the announcement next week is about a season of sudden, where we've waited and waited and waited, and then boom, it just happens. I'll tell you this, the one of the most powerful things as a pastor is when you speak a word that you feel like God's given you, a message, a series, you speak a word of faith, and then all of a sudden it's confirmed just like that. Because we walk by faith and not by sight, right? But how many of you are happy when every once in a while God just gives you a little, you on the right track, buddy, okay? A friend of mine calls them spiritual Scooby Snacks. Like, good boy, you did good. You did very good. And it just keeps us moving along. Amen? A season of suddenly, I believe that for our church. But I don't just believe it for our church. I believe that for every member in our church. I'm believing that we're coming into a season where it is going to be a season of suddenly. You got to remember, whatever God does in the body also does in the members. So you've been praying for things and longing for things and you've been faithful for things. I want you to join with me and believing that God is about to accomplish those things that he's promised over you. Now, I've been preaching on this for seven weeks. I need a little bit more amen on that. Just a little lean in on that, okay? Look at me. I want your faith to rise. Come on, let your faith begin to rise. Let it it begin to get strong. The Bible talks about building up your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Let your faith begin to rise. Let it begin to get strong. Remember last week I talked about we're in a culture where it's cynicism and it's criticism and it's unbelief. You and I need to make sure that we're allowing our faith to rise. Let it get strong. I'm going to tell you why you need your faith to rise because it's going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested and it's probably not even going to be the devil that does it. You know why? Because the devil knows you've got people in your life. Uh, (laughs) For some of you, the devil can take a day off work because of the people that are in your life that are going to test your faith, maybe even better than he could, all right? I want to talk to you about that today, how to deal with people in your life. We're in February, it's love month. We're in a season where our our nation, our world needs reconciliation like never before. I want to talk about how do you move into a season of suddenly and fulfillment and deal with people. How many of you ever had God do something great in your life? Oh, man, I feel good. I'm going to another level. You get a job promotion. You get a, an idea. You get something happening. You think everybody ought to be happy for you, right? You know what I'm talking about? You're excited about it, and they're not happy for you. You know, my least favorite is this right here. Man, this is one of the biggest things. Like, oh, I'm so excited about this. And I get this. Cool. Right? Nice. Or how about just a little thumbs up? Just a little like button, you know? I have this feeling, I have this philosophy on communication. I think it's turning us back into cavemen and women. Remember, you used to have a conversation, you write a letter, and then it turned into an email, and then it turned into a text, then into a tweet, right? And now on text, you don't even have to write back, you just go push a button, like... Just like a, a just like a, a technical a, a, a grunt is what it is. It's like uh, back. Literally this week I was so excited about a couple of things that happened in our life, and I was telling some people about it. And what I get? Uh, just a grunt. Jesus tells them, "This is what I'm going to do. I'm here. This is my first message." I'm about to preach to y'all what I'm going to do. I have been sent to heal the broken heart. I've been sent to, I've been sent to, (laughs) wipe my brow, right? This is what I'm going to do. And then he goes, today, the scripture's fulfilled in your hearing. Mic drop. And look at the reaction of the people. Luke 4 and 22. So all bore witness of him. And they marveled at his gracious words, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Hey, ain't that Joseph's boy? (laughs) Let me tell you, your faith in God And your faith in what God has called you to do needs to be stronger than ever because you are going to get pushback. And most of that pushback is going to come from people. Because you can gear up for the devil, but people, they'll sneak up on you. Our relationship with God is always intertwined with our relationship with people. They're always interconnected. The great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. How many find that last one to be harder than the first one many times? Because we can love a God that we don't see, but boy, I'm seeing you on a daily basis, and I do not like you, okay? (laughs) People, everybody say people. People, People. they're just messy. They're mean, right? They're bitter, they're angry. They're gross, <laughs> and I'm a pastor. Shall I come on, people! Chris and I always say that we would have a perfect relationship if it weren't for people. I can tell you, 99.9 percent of our fusses happen because of other people. If it was just she and I, perfect, just awesome, awesome. But all it takes is a phone call, a text, and then like, whoa, 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 people. So much of our walk with God is about who we're walking with. So much of what is going on in us is all about what's going on around us. About who the people are that surround us. People, people, people. How we treat them, how they treat us, how they react to us, how we react to the way that they react to us. People. To understand the reason that this scripture is the way it is, the way they reacted, you have to go back and remember the context of where Jesus was. And we read it in the beginning of our text today, back to verse 16 of Luke chapter 4. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. In other words, he went back to his old hometown where they knew him. Grew up around there. And this is why when he professes what he's going to do, their first thought process is, aren't you Joseph's son? Here's what I've found. I've found that God leads you into a new place by taking you through an old place. So write that down because you're going to need that. God will lead you to a new place by taking you into an old place. Or maybe another way to say it, as God is leading you into something fresh, you may find yourself in something familiar. And when I say familiar, I'm not talking about a good kind of familiar, a bit too familiar. Like one of those things, like I thought I left these people. When I got out of Dodge, I was leaving Dodge and never going back, and now... I'm back around these people and in this situation. Let me, let me ask you this. As you begin to feel God doing a work in your life, do you find sometimes that old emotions resurface? Old reactions resurface? Is it just me? I can tell you right now, I have been on my highest highs. Like just, whoa, oh man, this is incredible. And then two days later, make the dumbest decision I've ever, ever made before. Not before, because I've made the same decision before. Yeah. Sure. And I remember thinking to myself, well, how could you ever do that? You're at a new level, and you're going to go make that dumb decision and say that thing and think that. That's because when you begin to move into something new, you get ready, some old stuff is going to start coming around. There's going to be old emotions that start popping up. And you're like, man, I thought I dealt with that a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you something else you'll find, is that people from your past stop pop, start popping up. How I many know what I'm talking about? We're going this way. Yeah, how did you get my new number? I didn't even know I followed you on, on Facebook. What in the world is going on? Another thing that will happen is that you will feel like when God begins to take you to a new level. and I say a new level, that could be in your marriage, in your vocation, whatever it is. As you begin to go to a, a new level. The Bible says you're supposed to go from glory to glory to glory it may feel at times that you're starting over. I want to help you with this, okay? It may feel like I've already gone through this. Why am I doing this again? I remember Chris and i we can I can track it back to our to our marriage and our ministry, the times that this has happened for us. We were first married, and we had prayed and had some dreams and visions of what we wanted to see happen in our young ministry. And, and within a couple of years, it was all happening. And we were speaking at all the conferences and the churches that we always dreamed of speaking at, and things were just taking off, and it was amazing. And then we got this incredible offer to go on a, at a great on staff at a great church in Austin, Texas, and this is a large church and doing great things in the city. And, and we said, Yeah, we prayed about felt good about it. I mean, we're at the apex of it, you know. We just feel like, man, we're getting ready to go through another level. Yeah. Well, my job at the another level was I was a singles pastor. When I say singles pastor, I mean the two singles, okay? There were two <laughs> single women that was older, older than Kristen and I, and they met in the back room of this big campus, all right? So when I say singles pastor, it wasn't glorious. It was, we're going to tuck you way back over here, And this is what you're going to do. Oh, and we have another job for you. You're going to be in charge of cleaning our gymnasium. And so I remember one day thinking to myself as I mopped the floors of that gymnasium bathroom. Thinking to myself, six months ago, I was speaking to thousands of people. And here I am, back doing how I started. Because when I started ministry, I told my dad, Dad, I feel a call to ministry. And he said, You do? My dad was my pastor. You feel a call to ministry? Said, yeah, Daddy he said, Come on, son. My dad's pastor was a pastor as well. Come on, I got something for you. We walked into his office and I looked at those books. I saw my grandpa's books, my daddy's books. And my dad walked to that bookcase and just walked right past it into the bathroom and came walking out with a toilet brush. And he said, Here you go, buddy. Welcome to ministry. My first job as a minister was cleaning the toilets. For one year, my job was to clean the toilets and vacuum the church. I can put lines in the carpet like you've never seen before. <laughs> and if you've never vacuumed an empty church at 11 p.m., it is freaky, y'all. I'm telling you. I vacuumed it. <laughs> you me? Amen? How many of you ever walked into an empty church, you're like, I should feel good here, but this is weird. Right? And now here I am, years later, Mopping the floor. And I begin to cry. And I say, God, what is going on? And God, I feel like, gave me a revelation right there. And the revelation is this. The ceiling of this level is the floor of this level. Yeah. And many times you feel like you're going to pop through and go, woo! And you pop through and it feels like you're starting all over again. But you have to remind yourself, I'm not starting all over again. I'm on another level. But every level always starts best with serving. Think about how Jesus comes into his next level, taking on the form of a servant. Right? Think about when he's getting ready to go to the cross and be elevated. The scripture says, and he knew that all God had given all things into his hand. And what did he do? He took a towel and began to wash their feet. I don't know what level you're stepping into, what frustration you're dealing with, but I can tell you, if you have one point that you walk away with, with, you can never go wrong with serving and loving and caring. Look at your neighbor and say, that was a good word. He didn't yell, there was no organ, but that was a good word, and you need to listen to it. Another thing I would say is to remember when you are back in those situations, to remember that you're a different person than you were. The Jesus that shows back up is not Joseph's son anymore. This is Savior of the world. Why? Because he had gone through the baptism, the identification, the frustration, the activation. He had done everything, the process. He had he now shows back up as a different Jesus. So I want to tell you, some of those people you used to run with and you find yourself back in their world again, or some of those feelings you used to deal with, remind yourself that you're not the you that they knew. That'll help you make it through it. Let me say something else to you. The people that you've known the longest may not know you the best. Amen. Isn't that Joseph's son? The people that have known you the longest may not know you the best. And I'm going to tell you something today that's not easy for me to say because it's something I've lived and it's something that, that I, 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 I know that you've lived. The people you've known the longest may not know you the best. And this also includes your family. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all like includes my family. It is my family, bro. (laughs) Like when you said that, I wasn't thinking about anybody but family, okay? If that's you, raise your hand. Come on, it's okay. Look at this, Mark chapter three and 20. One time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. That's a bad place to be right there. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. Jesus' family did not get him because they could not see him as he really was. Because all Mary could think, oh my God, he's so busy, he's not eating. Come on, mamas, you know what I'm talking about, right? We, I gotta get him some food. Go get Jesus. She couldn't release him to be the Messiah because she's still thinking of him as her little boy. I gotta feed him, I gotta nurture him. And I don't know what the brothers are thinking. Who does he think he is? Drawing a big old crowd. I know him. So they go get him. Try to get him. now. Look at what it says when they show up. And then Jesus' mother, verse 31, and brothers came to see him. And they stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with him. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone, someone said, your mother and brothers are outside asking for you. And then he replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mothers and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Sometimes even your family cannot release you to be all that God has called you to be. Sometimes, especially your family can't release you to be. Let me tell you something. Your family loves you, I think. I mean, I I would assume (laughs) your family loves you, but that doesn't mean that they get you or what God has called you to be and do. I've walked through it. You've walked through it. I want to release you from that today. There's a saying that says, family over everything, and I get it. But there are some times that even your family will hold you back because they can't see you in the level or in the the thing that God has called you to do and God has called you to be. So how do you handle it in those situations? You don't diss them. You're not mean to them. You don't reject them. You just say... You know what, I love my family, but I'm going to surround myself with some people that get what I'm called to do. Right. Jesus said, the people that are doing my father's will are my brothers and sisters and mothers. So I'm telling you, there's a time that your family, your friends, your coworkers cannot release you to be everything God's called you to be. And that's why they pick at you, they can't congratulate you, they can't celebrate you. Is it just me? Am I the only one that deals with that? Like, cool, that's awesome. You did great. Nice. And the frustration starts building in you. Instead of the frustration and resentment at them building in you, find you some people, get into a gathering get into a church, get with a group of people, a spiritual family that what they have in them resonates with what you have in you, all right? Let me, this is, let me give you a great example of that Mary with Jesus inside of her shows up and the Bible says Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist, as soon as Mary walks in the room, John the Baptist whoop, jumps in Elizabeth's belly. What does that mean? That means deep calling to deep. They both understood what was going on. They were carrying around the destiny of God inside of them. Get around people that do that for you. I'm preaching a little bit on Sunday morning. Right? Get around people that do that. Matter of fact, the Bible says where two or three of you are gathered together. Where 120 of you are gathered together in Pentecost. What about 600 people gathered together, thinking the same thing, believing the same thing. Then you start watching God show up and miracles start happening. That's why the writer says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together like some people are doing, especially as the times get tough. How many would say times are tough? You know what the the Bible says to do when times get tough? Get together more often. Hang out more often. Spend time in in celebrating each other and praying for one another. You need to be around people that are going to look at you and say, I see what God has called you to do. Go for it. But you also need the same people that look at you and say, I see what God has called you to do. And you're not living like someone that's called to do that. You need those people in your life that can say something to you that your own family can't say to you. Right? I'll take it from Coach Arnett quicker than I would a family member. Amen? Well, I'll get off that for just a minute. We'll go on to something else. I'm going get in that. Amen. Look at what Paul said. I love this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul said this. We, we always quote 2 Corinthians five seventeen, But 16 is a powerful verse of Scripture. Look on the screen. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely as from a human point of view. How differently we now know him. Would you agree that it's human nature for us to see people as humans? You know why? This is deep. Because we're humans. Come on now. Don't shout me down. All right. We're humans, and so it's so easy for us to evaluate other people as humans. And Paul said, we've stopped doing this. He said, I used to even do that with Jesus. When I thought about Jesus, I put him into a human context and how humanity works. But he said, man, I've stopped seeing him that way now, and how differently do I know him? Write this down. Miracles happen when we see one another as God created us to be. Miracles happen when we see one another as God created us to be. There is power when you start looking at people through the filter of what God called them to be. The tragedy in Florida, you know why? So many reasons. Biggest reason, no value for human life. No value. Racism. We're in the middle of Black History Month. Racism. What is that? No value for human life. You think because you're a different color, or you're from a different part of town, or you're fat, or you're homeless, or you're rich, you have less value in this world than someone else. That's all it is. It's a lack of value for human life. But if you could take on an eternity filter yes. and every single person you look at, instead of seeing them in their human, frail form, you see them as an eternal soul that will never die and that has a God-called destiny on them. Wow Come on. Wow You can't be a bigot with those filter on. Don't get quiet on me now. Come on, I'm not getting political. I'm getting kingdom on you today. Because the Bible says when you get to the other side, every tongue and every nation is going to be surrounded the throne. Everybody together, worshiping one king. Why? Because then we're going to have an understanding of eternity because we're in it. But what if you could start doing that right now? And you look at a coworker. See, I think sometimes we can say, yeah, racism wrong. You shouldn't be that way but I don't like that guy I work with. You don't know how he, she, they treat me. What if you put on the filter of, that's an eternal soul with a God called destiny. Paul said, I don't look at people anymore with human limitations because of their frailty and their mistakes. And This will help your marriage. Instead of you resenting your wife and your husband, look at them. Through the filter of that right there is a soul. Anybody feel convicted right now? Just go and apologize to your spouse. If we can begin to look at people and things with an eternal context and not stopping them from being what God has called them to be. And so what happens is, as God begins to call you to a new level, and we are now. Yeah. We're in a season of suddenly. Yeah. It's happening. Now listen, this is important. Some of y'all just started having a conversation with each other. Just listen to me. Hold up. I'm going to give you that. You can do that in just a minute, okay? Mm-hmm. Literally, it just start breaking out. I just saw some of you start, yeah, where are we going to eat? We're heading up? Was, Good Lord, is it 11.30 already? I see y'all. Do you, not, you understand I can see y'all? It's unbelievable. I know it's my fault. I lost you. I get it. Okay, it's my job as a speaker to keep you here, all right? So stay here. (laughs) You know, they say, I I heard this at this conference we were just at, when someone says in closing that 75% of the congregation re-engages, right? So in closing today, (laughs) I want to say... That as you move to this new level, what God's called you to do, how many definitely feel that on your life right now? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm just making sure we got a majority. How many feel God pulling you into something? You feel like you've got greatness on you that you haven't even tapped into yet. How many? Come on. So I want to tell you, build your faith. Get ready for pushback. Get ready because you're going to feel it. You're going to be excited about it. You're going to leave Sunday. Let's go. I'm going to do this thing. And they're going like, yeah, but didn't you do that thing? Hey, who do you think you are? So how do I make it? I make it by this. I'm not going to have, I'm, I'm going to put God where he belongs. I'm going to put them where they belong. And I'm going to do everything I know to do to serve, to love, to care. But I'm not going to allow them to limit what God has called me to be. Thank you for your word today, Jesus. That is sharp. Like a surgeon's scalpel. Doing a work. People in this room right now that are, lim- are limited. Are being held back. Because of mindsets. Mindsets. Of people that are around them. People right now that are wanting to move into something new, but because of bitterness about some, how someone treated them or frustration, misunderstanding. I want to release you from that today. Release you from that today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes. I want, to, I want to ask you a question. This is a question that Chris and I have asked ourselves many times. When you begin to speak something fresh and new over your life and you begin to declare something, I'm going to do this, I'm excited. How many of you hear the voice of a naysayer in your mind? Raise your hand. All right, put it down. I want to say it again. How many of you, when you are about to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go, um, automatically, you hear a certain person going, really? Come on. That's, you, can't, you can't, raise your hand if that's you. Maybe it's a group of people. Man, hands all over this room today. I want to release you from that this morning. God's calling on you is bigger than their voice. Doesn't mean you got to be mean. I not mean you got to be rude. You just got to put them in their proper place. Go and do and be what God's called you to go, to be, and to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For some of you, it's your reputation. You're not even hearing what they're saying. It's your voice saying it over and over and over and over and over. You're a liar. You're a cheater. You're a thief. You're greedy. You're mean. Come on. Let's, let's break some of that off today. Start listening to what God's called you to be and to do. Jesus' name. Your best years are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. I declare that in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, let a holy boldness begin to rise up in us today to know that we're not doing this by ourselves, We are not alone. We're not alone. It's so easy for you to feel alone, you know, in your little cave, back in the back of it, thinking you're the only one dealing with what you're dealing with. No, you're not. That's why God brings you to a place like church and you hear someone sitting beside you that's been walking through hell this week and suddenly they're singing the same thing you're singing. You are good, good. You are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, come on, let your neighbor hear you sing it. You are good, good. with your eyes closed today. I want to give you an opportunity to make a fresh start with Jesus. That's if you've never started before with Him. You've never asked Jesus into your life. Or maybe you've been a believer, but it's been a while and it feels stale and got cobwebs on it. It's just not fresh. You've made mistakes. You've slipped up. And today... You want to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ all over anew. You want to make a fresh start. Then we had hands at 9 o'clock going all over this place. I was so fired up about that. Would you join with those folks today? We're not going to ask you to do anything. You have to come up front. We're not going to ask you to give an extra offering, (laughs) nothing. Just right where you are with nobody looking around, just slip your hand up. Say that. I want to make a fresh start with Jesus today. I want to come on, not a little up high, really high. I want to make a fresh start. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Yeah, that's so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.